Jedi Council is a podcast for entertainment and informational purposes only. It should not be used in place of advice from a mental health or medical professional. If you're struggling with mental health issues, please seek professional help. Hey folks, welcome back to the next episode of the Jedi Council Podcast, where we like to explore mental health in your favorite fictional characters. This is one of your Jedi Council co-hosts, Brandon Saxton. And your other Jedi Council Podcast co-host, Katie Gordon. Katie, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. I'm looking forward to talking some more about To the Bone and eating disorders, an area that I have a lot of passion for mm-hmm. and and so it's a good opportunity to talk about that and address some of the questions that were sent in and i also have started rick and morty because we've got a lot of requests on twitter to cover that and so it seems like it's a fun yeah. show so yeah, it's always fun your... to start a new show you know? yeah that's kind of your first impression just Kind of a fun show. Well, at first I didn't really get what was going on. Which is understandable. (laughs) But now I think I'm starting to get it a little bit more. But, you know, I think part of that is just because I was trying to do something else and I would just look up and see this, like, kind of sci-fi thing and I didn't really get it. But now that I've actually paid attention, Mm -hmm. yeah, it looks interesting. Yeah, the show's definitely out there. So Mm -hmm. if you don't understand what's going on or haven't totally followed it yeah it, w- it would make no sense a lot of times it doesn't make total sense even when you do follow it so. which is cool i'm fine with that as long as it's not supposed to or it's supposed to be weird then it's cool. it is yeah <laughs> it's it's supposed to be weird and it's supposed to have a lot of like kind of weird sci-fi references it's pretty cool cool well very good how are you doing i'm doing pretty good uh kind of just ramping up for the semester to get started i'm pretty excited dc metal number one comes out next wednesday yeah yeah it looks like a lot of cool artwork for that and then actually dc's selling t-shirts for what they're calling the metal tour i think i'm gonna get one of those because it looks pretty awesome yeah they do look the awesome dates. they have yeah. like the yeah the release dates for the comic on the yes. back in place of tour dates yeah That's which such i think a is cool a cool idea yeah really neat mm-hmm. so and i know they put so far put out uh what was they have two out already that were sort of prequels to mm-hmm. the DC Metal event. And one was called The Forge, and the other one was called Casting, and now I think DC Metal starts. Yeah, I like those both a lot. Actually, I need to return them to you oh, since no I rush. borrowed them from <laughs> yeah. you, but they were great, and I look forward to seeing kind of the series start. It'll be yeah, cool. I'm really cool. I don't totally get exactly what's happening yet, but it looks like almost like uh, something related to Batman in like uh, like the dark knight armies of the multiverse are kind of mm-hmm. like coming forth and that looks really cool yeah and uh anytime i get to see jim lee's art is always a, a good day for me because he, i don't get how someone could be so talented yeah at, at, uh, being an artist it's incredible yeah i've got to get that variant wonder woman cover for the first issue is she like riding a dinosaur on that one well there's that That's... there's one where she's riding a dinosaur i don't know exactly which is which because there's another one where yeah. she has her shield and she's right. fighting too and so i don't i don't know which one is like issue one and are you gonna just get both of those probably i mean ideally <laughs> yes to, to slowly uh i assume hang wonder woman stuff and comment all <laughs> over every kind of wall that you own that's always the goal yeah of course <laughs> But no, that's that's kind of all that's new with me is getting ready for the semester uh, and also getting ready for DC Metal, uh, both equally important in my life. So. <laughs> Definitely. No, but that sounds good. Yeah, so last week we planned on doing a one-part episode on To the Bone and then looked down. It had been about an hour and we realized we weren't quite done yet. So we've got some more to talk about today 
Uh, I don't know exactly how long this is going to run just because it was sort of a, a, it might be more like an episode and a half today, mm-hmm. maybe the half, but we'll see. Sometimes we get a little long-winded, so. It's hard to tell yeah, ahead of time. It can be. So just to sort of recap last time, and like always with our multi-part episodes, it makes the most sense to listen to part one before part two, because we're going to be building on uh, what we talked about last time. Um, but we kind of talked about uh, the diagnostic criteria for anorexia nervosa, how it differentiates from bulimia nervosa and binge eating disorder. Really briefly for those two disorders, the focus was on anorexia nervosa. And then I think we kind of dived into the film and talked about some of the strengths and weaknesses while we were talking about some questions that we got on Facebook and Twitter, which we have some more to talk about today and some more stuff to unpack, I think is kind of where we left mm-hmm. off. So where should we start today, Katie? Well, we one question that I thought was excellent among many is, is it dangerous for actors or actresses to play people with eating disorders? Sure. And I think that this question, I'm guessing, is specifically referring to people who are playing an individual with anorexia nervosa and they're losing weight for the part, mm-hmm. right? They're trying to look the part. And they're, I think losing or gaining weight is kind of, it's not uncommon in Hollywood, right? No. And so there are some prominent examples of this where Christian Bale I was kind just of to say that example, right yeah. between Batman and was it the Machinist? The Machinist. Did you ever see the Machinist? I didn't see Very that. Very creepy film, uh, but really good. I thought. Um, but yeah, in the Machinist, I may actually, I, I guess I can't show the picture, of course, uh, mm-hmm. via the on audio only medium. Mm-hmm. But Google the Machinist mm-hmm. and look at Christian Bale because I actually thought it was CG when I first saw it mm-hmm. because of how thin he was. And uh, but no, it, it, he actually lost that weight. And then Batman Begins was like six months later he started, and he gained like over 100 pounds, I think. Uh, so it is not a kind of a hijack your point there, but yeah, no, it, it was That was amazing. an extreme thing. I don't yeah. know what the health impact was right. on him. I mean, he, in generally, uh, probably getting having as much weight loss as he had, even as tightly controlled and monitored it, yeah. as it is, it can be damaging. We're mental health professionals. Mm-hmm. We're not medical professionals. Oh, but um, we will speak more to the psychological part in a moment, um, which actually maybe is a good example of that. A while ago, I don't remember the year, there's a Steven Spielberg film called Courage Under Fire, and it was one of Matt Damon's breakout roles. Okay. And he played a heroin addict that it was in 1996 and he lost a lot of weight unsupervised at the time for it and it actually caused him some health problems both both mental and physical health problems it had some kind of damage to his body such that he had to take some medications to repair it you know but he was really trying to capture the attention of people um by getting into this part. And so he talks about some of the physical damage that happened for that role. But in addition to that, something interesting happened, which is that he started to experiencing symptoms of anorexia nervosa. And by interesting, I mean something scary happened. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he recognized it and it didn't end up developing into, I don't know, why did I say Steven Spielberg? It was Edward Zick. Oh. He somehow brought into this, I don't remember how well, he was involved. This isn't a, a film <laughs> podcast. We can't fault you for everything. Oh, I know why. Because, and I think this is accurate, but I better check. I think it was that Steven Spielberg noticed his performance in, in this and then had him in Saving Private Ryan, which came out in 1998. And okay. um, so 
kind of his plan was to play the smaller part really well and do that. And that was, I believe, directed by Steven Spielberg. <laughs> that one I can confirm. Okay, good. <laughs> and so, so anyway, but back to the point. What, what Matt Damon said is that he started seeing other people as looking overweight when they weren't. Oh, he started becoming preoccupied with what he was eating and things like that. And that kind of mirrors something that we saw in there was a study a famous study that told us a lot about anorexia that was done with uh, conscientious objectors at the uni- uh, for World War II at University of Minnesota by a scientist named Keyes. And what they did is they were interested in looking at the effects of starvation in mm-hmm. concentration camps on how that would impact people psychologically and physically. And so what they did is they took healthy young men and put them on very restricted diets. So these weren't men that had any pre-existing mm-hmm. eating problems or anything like that. And what they found is that by putting them on these diets, which it was not motivated by the person to lose weight, they were just participating in mm-hmm. these ex- experiments. Doing what they were asked. By the exactly. Sure. But they started exhibiting symptoms of anorexia, such as irritability, preoccupation with food. They kind of talked about how some of them took down pictures of like movie stars and put up pictures of food. Oh, and wow. and so this has been used by people within the field of eating disorders to suggest that there is something that happens when you're starving that some of the symptoms for anorexia are related to that biological effect. So if you can reverse the starvation, some of those symptoms actually get better rather than actually turning the symptoms around and then seeing kind of um, the biology Mm -hmm. change. And so actually this is a premise for Maudsley treatment, which Mm -hmm. we talked about last time. The idea is that if you get people's weight up a little bit, their thoughts become less rigid and can straighten out a bit. And so I'm putting it in oversimplistic terms. But the point is that Matt Damon was negatively impacted by that. And of course at the time, like I said, he wasn't monitored as closely as he would be today because he wasn't that big of a celebrity at the time. So in other words, there can be negative impacts. But what's Mm -hmm. interesting with To the Bone is that the actress in that actually had a history of having an eating disorder, Lily Collins, and she had, you know, reportedly she had recovered from it, but wanted to play this part, although was a a little reluctant. And one of the articles I read said that her, her mom really didn't want her to do it because... Not only did they want her to play the part, but they wanted her to lose weight so that she mm-hmm. presented as someone who would look like they had anorexia. You can right? understand the concern in that situation. Oh, yeah. That. I mean, yeah. it's it's such a serious mental disorder. Mm-hmm. And so in, in that case specifically, where someone especially has the disorder, even it's monitored, I, if... You know, I'm not judging the people who are involved because I don't know. I'm just saying from a distance. But it doesn't seem worth risking mm-hmm. that because the disorder is so dangerous to have someone play a part. It seems like it would be helpful to find other ways to maybe they don't have to look completely the part, right? Mm-hmm. Um, maybe they can use makeup or other effects of Hollywood to make the person look more like they have anorexia. Mm-hmm. And I should say, most of the time, people who have mental disorders don't look a certain way. Right. But in this case, one of the criteria mm-hmm. is not maintaining a minimal healthy body weight. And so that makes it a little different than other mental disorders. Of course, that doesn't mean that someone, everyone who's underweight has anorexia. It just means that that's kind of a requirement to yep. have it. So anyway, I was concerned about that. They talk, because it seems 
very risky. And she did some interviews about it. And I was also concerned about that. And again, this isn't a knock against Lily Collins. I'm just expressing my reaction and opinion to it where they were asking her, like, how did she lose weight? What were the methods? To me, that's dangerous because if people are looking at, you know, how did she lose all of this weight and looking for tips mm -hmm. when she's trying to look like someone who has a severe mental disorder, that's problematic. And there were words that she used such as she had a very clean diet, mm -hmm. no sauces, no oils, and things like that. And clean is kind of a word that's associated with morality mm -hmm. or you know i get that it, you know i think people are trying to equate it with healthy or something like that but i rather with food a lot of those terms get tied into like marketing terms or yes. unhealthy eating buzzwords. So, yeah buzzwords mm -hmm. exactly so i feel like it would be a preferred way from my standpoint would just to be first of all not talk about how she you know right. here are tips for how i looked emaciated right, right? that yeah. doesn't that seems dangerous helpful. to me but um also just to talk about food and, and not in terms of clean and unclean you know right. do you mean processed or unprocessed do you mean caloric do you mean fruit or vegetable what are you talking about and use yeah. that specific term rather than attaching it to it because i think that otherwise it can add implications to food that are more about like values and personality strengths and attributes than they're mm -hmm. meant to be so anyway i kind of went off on a long tangent there, oh, but what right. are your thoughts? Uh, no, I I have a couple of thoughts, I guess, and I'm sort of going to walk through the same chain of uh, mm -hmm. a sequence of thoughts that you sort of had. So first, I think that it's really interesting to, to talk about the cognitions associated mm -hmm. with uh, anorexia nervosa, particularly because I think that, of course, cognitions by nature are not, as, not a visible part of the mm -hmm. disorder, and I think a lot of times maybe... Uh, particularly for people who might be uh, outside of the mental health field, uh, there's more attention paid to the physical parts of an eating disorder. But the, of course, the cognitions are just so impairing, so it's interesting mm -hmm. to hear about those. And I think the cognition specifically being associated, uh, like you referenced that study, when individuals get to a lower weight, asking Lily Collins or having her lose weight as part of the role, you can it, it sort of makes sense why that could be dangerous, mm -hmm. where she could start to have some of those cognitions again. Uh, particularly for someone who uh, has suffered from the disorder. So, yeah. That, it, it seems like you're playing with fire a little bit, oh, yeah. you know, and it, it almost, you know, this is just my gut reaction and right. in my opinion. It almost feels like not not respecting how dangerous anorexia mm -hmm. and eating disorders are. Like, you you know, it's hard to imagine a, a medical condition, another kind of medical condition like diabetes but mm -hmm. for this part you don't inject your insulin or you don't watch right. your uh food intake or something like that you know it's almost that's exactly mm -hmm. what they were asking her to do almost mm -hmm. is is engage in the uh behaviors or some of the steps that l could lead to you having or suffering from the symptoms again so yeah it, mm -hmm. it's interesting because they did take her to what appeared to be on the outside as an unhealthy weight mm -hmm. and it's shouldn't really judge by looking at people but right. i mean that's what they were going the for and yeah. so to do that that means necessarily they were taking things to more mm -hmm. of an extreme and i th i agreed with your point in a major way about uh a through a lot of the film she was wearing pretty baggy clothing mm -hmm. which is what you might expect for someone who might be trying to mask their weight or shape mm -hmm. or something like that but it also did that job so she could have we, it was impossible to sort of tell. There was one scene where, or a couple scenes, I think, mm -hmm. maybe where you could see her body with uh, 
there was a scene where she was laying outside, I remember specifically, mm-hmm. where really sort of showed how emaciated she was. But, that was CGI, actually, which okay. I thought was interesting. So, so yeah, so they altered that then? to make her look more extreme. You know, so when she's stepping on the scale, I think, with her sure. stepmom in the beginning, I don't yes. think that was altered. Or okay. when the doctor's looking at the bruises on her back right. from doing sit-ups and stuff like that. But is it, you know, is it really worth it for that scene to get the, the point across? I mean... Right. It's hard for me to imagine that you would lose something from the character. And I get it. Actors and actresses go all in. But in right. this particular case, and also in any case where it endangers mm-hmm. the person, right. I, I'd be concerned about it. Absolutely, yeah. So I I think my, my reaction mirrors yours in a lot of ways where it mm-hmm. seemed like it probably wasn't worth it. Not even probably. Yeah. In my opinion, it was not worth it to sort of yeah. risk that. Particularly given that she could have just been wearing baggy clothes the whole time. Mm-hmm. That, that would have done the trick, you know? Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. It just, it made me uncomfortable. And then I, again, you know, then to be interviewed about it as like, what were your methods? Right. Again, just kind of like made me more uncomfortable. Completely agree. Clean you're right, mm-hmm. there is that morality, and it doesn't really mean anything. Right. Unless you're, like, washing your grapes. Right, like, exactly. Like, yeah, okay, now exactly. it's clean. That's mm-hmm. not how they're using the word. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean anything in the way that you Right, it. Yeah. you know, if they mean unprocessed or right. organic, then something. those terms are more specific, yes, right? absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. And it makes me uneasy. I think that's the best yeah. word. Just, ugh, I don't like what this. I don't like it. Yeah, yeah. and, you know, I, I could be wrong. Maybe the movie wouldn't have been as convincing, but... I don't know. Actors are pretty good. I don't, you know, some yeah. of it, they, I don't think that I, it needs to be exact. There's no denying that Lily Collins was an excellent. Uh, right. Her acting was, I yeah. think, very good. So, yeah, I don't I don't know that it was necessary to ask mm-hmm. her to do that. Uh, I have another question for mm-hmm. you, but I don't want to jump topics. Oh, that's uh, okay. Yet, unless you're ready. No, I think just, you know, obviously it, to, to maybe conclude it in one sentence is that I, I think that the risks sometimes outweigh the benefits in this case. Yeah. yeah. I completely forgot my question. Oh, no. no it was my own fault. I had it in my mind, and then I knew mm-hmm. I had a question, mm-hmm. and then I told you I did, but then I was like, wait, I don't remember what it oh. actually was. So that was it was not because of the your addition. Uh, oh. So, yeah, it'll come back to me okay. at some point, though. Which is too bad, because I felt like it was a, a real good question. Well, I'll be the judge of that. Yeah, well, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> Um, so maybe we can talk about the next major thing, unless there's anything mm-hmm. else to say about the No, I don't think it. so. Okay. I think we've got that pretty well covered. Uh, yes. Okay. So the other, it's kind of a small part of the movie that they refer to. But referenced periodically. Yeah, yes. that, that Ellen or Eli yeah, yeah. is, make, she's an artist, right? A yep. talented artist. But some and her art sometimes focuses around eating disorders, mm-hmm. and she was posting it on Tumblr. Yes. you kind of put the pieces together. Yep. Yeah, it's kind of revealed throughout uh, mm-hmm. almost the whole movie, really. Yeah. Yeah, and so there's there. It seems like people looking at other people with eating disorders, mm-hmm. at least to some extent, because the Luke, who she's later romantically involved yep. with, apparently knew who she was, thought she was kind of famous, and yes. had some of the, her artwork on his wall. And then, in addition to that. There was a young woman who had an eating disorder and who died by suicide, and it was somehow linked to her Tumblr, which I'm not totally clear how that was, but the parents seemed to blame Ellen slash Eli for it, and even it sounded like sent a picture to Ellen about of of the woman of the girl having cut her wrist or yes. something horrible like that. Awful, yeah. Yeah. Um, so this 
question I think can take us to a broader question related to one of the ones that was posed to us on Facebook, which is what is the influence of social media on mental health issues, you know? And I think in this case, one thing I should mention too is because suicide's brought up, can social media cause someone to kill themselves? Mm -hmm. Maybe we should talk about that. Suicide doesn't have one cause, um, but if someone is struggling with mental health problems, there sometimes can be factors that can elevate their risk Mm -hmm. is probably one way to say it. But it is worth noting that it's true that the risk for suicide is elevated among people with eating disorders. Yeah, absolutely. So in terms of generally, from my understanding, social media, on one hand, people sometimes view it as positive when people talk about mental health stuff because they can feel like it's normalizing, Mm -hmm. like they're not alone. On the downside, some people worry that it makes it worse because then people with shared mental health problems kind of share tips and tricks Mm -hmm. and emotional pain with each other. Mm -hmm. So what does the science say about it? Uh, And we should probably clarify right off the bat, there's a a whole literature about Mm -hmm. the impact of social media on on mental health broadly. We're going to focus on... But we're going to hone in a little bit, too, uh, right now, uh, specifically about eating disorders. Yes. Just because we... Otherwise, it would be, like, probably another multi-part episode just about <laughs> social media. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, full, we're going to focus just on a couple of studies specifically about eating disorders and, and the interaction with social media for, for today. Yeah, so kind of addressing how realistic it is that that these people who followed her pictures mm-hmm. and stuff. And ultimately, right, she shuts down her account and her therapist asks her mm-hmm. to stop doing it Gives for a her, while and stuff like that. Uh, oh, he won't let her make art on an iPad. They, yeah. They take her iPad when she comes mm-hmm. to the treatment center, which it's not really a... It's more of a... Well, I don't know exactly what I would call it. What would you call that building? A residential Yeah, residential. Thank program. you. Yeah. Do you think that... What do you think about Ellen's reaction to the fact that this girl who was a fan of her art killed herself is because it's kind of an interesting way she was she seems i mean what how do you think she feels about that i think she's avoiding it a little bit Mm -hmm. that was kind of my take she's Mm -hmm. kind of trying to avoid it a little bit um and because and maybe maybe i'm my reaction is or my interpretation is that because that's kind of how they reveal it that's sort of you get the story kind of piecemeal. Yeah. And so maybe it's kind of the delivery that made me feel that way because we're not just given the information. But it sort of seems like she is avoiding it in a way, and then it all sort of comes out in that one conversation where she sort of, I think it's with Luke where she's talking about what happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, and obviously responded negatively uh, mm-hmm. or with negative affect and clearly is a very was pretty impacted by it mm-hmm. uh, and maybe her role. Am, am I right? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think that's true. It's weird because, like you said, it's kind of hard because they almost dance around the issue th- a little yes. bit. So sometimes she seems like her response is a little flat, but I don't know that that means anything other than maybe she is avoiding it or maybe she's, um, you know trying to keep her emotions inside i don't i don't know what it means because it is such like a side point on the film you know that is a good point and maybe it's just a construct or an artifact of the narrative too Mm -hmm. um but you're right it is it's like you described it when you first moved on to the topic it's a minor part of Mm -hmm. the story which is actually kind of confusing in a way isn't Mm -hmm. it because it should be pretty impactful and probably part of the treatment or at least discussed you know you could imagine? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe I'm reading that wrong. No, well, like, 
it's hard not to think about, I guess it's hard not to think about how I might react in that situation right. and so, and how that might impact me, which seems like it would be, it might destroy one, but right. you know, someone might feel really bad about it, but she's got so much other stuff going on too, that mm-hmm. it's really hard to kind of, it's hard to pick apart. So it is, but nonetheless, I think that the topic, there is a lot of interest in social media and the role of that in mental health sure. and that this is a relatively new phenomenon and that people are can have access to so many other people sharing stuff about mm-hmm. mental health. And I know that some of the social media sites like Instagram, for example, they they allow you and Facebook to contact if you're worried about someone's mm-hmm. content, if it's something related to make you think that it's like suicidal yep. thoughts or something yep. like that. So I think that it is an important issue to look at. And there's also a lot of controversy around it because there are people who I think rightfully say, you know, you have the right to express art and whatever you want on the internet, right? But there are other people who say that if it's something harmful, mm-hmm. then maybe we should try to control a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So, for example, remember a while ago, there are, you know, there are these websites, pro anorexia and mm-hmm. pro bulimia websites, which are supposed to be things that, and I, uh, this is always like the dilemma for me is that like when you talk about stuff like this or teach about it, are you telling new people that might be right. negatively impacted about it? But I, f- I figure you can find these things for people who are really looking for them, right? Spun glass theory. Yes. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, so basically, so pro anorexia websites are websites that basically are supposed to be inspiration for people who are trying to keep, um, basically have eating have motivation to Mm -hmm. keep losing weight and have eating disorder symptoms and things like that. And there have been certain search engines that private companies that have chosen to not have them come up in -hmm. their search engines because they want to decrease the amount of traffic to them. They don't shut down the website. People have their right to express those Mm -hmm. things and stuff like that. But some people have decided it's harmful and maybe they don't want to traffic to that. Which, yeah. The right of a private company to do, too. Exactly. And so... The um, so anyway, what what's important too, I think, is science telling us, you know, how what are the actual impacts of these websites? Because some we could argue about what they might be, but it's helpful to actually right. look. Why and speculate? Exactly. Well, we've got the information. I agree. I agree. Because <laughs> speculation can be very wrong, as we've seen by my speculation about who directed Courage Under Fire. <laughs> <We> <laughs> <perfect> example of, <laughs> of how how wrong how things can go poorly. So. Anna Bardone Cohn and Camilla Cass in 2007 published a study that I think was a very clever study where mm-hmm. they looked at female undergraduate students who's there that's a reasonable group to look at mm-hmm. to look at the impact of pro anorexia websites and so what they did is they created an experiment where undergraduate students were randomly assigned to view either a pro anorexia website or a comparison website. It could be one related to female fashion or one related to home decor. So the idea is to look, have basically similar types of websites and time spent similarly, but is there something specific about the pro-anorexia website that could be harmful? And that's what they were looking at. Uh-huh. And so what they found is that study participants who were assigned to the pro-anorexia website had greater negative affect, and we'll link to this too, I'm uh-huh. reading directly from the paper, lower social 
self-esteem and lower appearance self-efficacy post website than those who viewed a comparison website. So they felt worse about themselves generally, right? And they also perceived themselves as heavier, reported a greater likelihood of exercising and thinking about their weight in their near future and engaged in more image comparison. And so what that suggests is there is support for the fact that these websites can be harmful because they're picking people that are a general population, right? They're generally, most of them are not suffering from mental health problems, and yet they're still having some of these negative effects. And so that's something to keep in mind. And I, I think as a clinician... You know, just being aware of these things and maybe if someone's a parent or, you know, they, and they have a child who has an eating disorder, you might, the recommendation from this that I would suggest is to kind of monitor what they're looking mm-hmm. at, you know, because it can have negative effects. And if someone's already struggling with a mental disorder, we want to reduce all those risk factors and increase the protective factors. Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly right. That's, mm-hmm. the, that's the real kicker of this study. Mm-hmm. Like you said, I really like the study too. It's one mm-hmm. of these studies that's very clever. And mm-hmm. it's not overly complicated. It's just, it's so nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, you said it right there. This is, these aren't individuals who are struggling with anorexia mm-hmm. nervosa prior. This was just an unselected sample of female undergraduate students, and they still found this effect. So mm-hmm. that really uh, points or, or sort of illuminates the impact that those kind of exposures can have. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, if, say, we take, linking back to the movie, if Ellen's posting these pictures on Tumblr and people are looking at them, mm-hmm. it's reasonable to speculate that they might have negative impacts. Would, I would never say that it would lead someone to suicide, but just that right. it would increase, that it might increase the risk factors. Yeah, absolutely. Some of that, well, just like the things we found, some of the uh, the negative affect and some of the, uh, com- uh, you know, perceiving oneself to be heavier, things like that. So, yes, absolutely. Exactly. Uh, and we have another one, too, that we wanted to kind of discuss, too. And we'll link to this one as well. And, and just for uh, not to filter it, I'm just going to read it right off mm-hmm. of there as well, just sort of like you did. Um, and this was a study that uh, really looked at Facebook usage more um, as opposed to some of those pro-anorexia or pro yes. sort of websites. This is more just Facebook broadly, which is another thing that people are really looking into. Uh, like the study says, rate, uh, I, not in the abstract anywhere, but I, as I was reading into mm-hmm. it, uh, they cite, and when was this one published? Can you remind me? This was published in 2013. So you can imagine about four years ago, they cite that at this time, one in seven people was on Facebook in the world, which is an, in- mm-hmm. an incredible number it of is. people. And we can only assume, I, would, I don't know if you'd agree, that number's probably gone. Mm-hmm. Maybe not. I mean, I don't know. One in seven, I don't know how that number might have changed, but I think there are more people on Facebook yeah, now than there I was think Zuckerberg would agree. Yeah, and he'd be happy about it too. <laughs> Uh, not to get sidetracked, but did you hear he might like run for president or he was like sort of thinking about it? I don't know whether or not that's true, but I saw a rumor that he's like considering a presidential bid. That's interesting. I remember when politicians used to run for president. That, <laughs> that was long I ago. I Times they've changed. I don't want to turn this into a political podcast. <laughs> I did hear Kid Rock was running for, for, gov- for Senate. senator. Yes. Senate in Michigan. I also read that, uh, and there was a website, mm-hmm. but he hasn't like actually like formally uh um registered to run i've seen he's just like selling merchandise i'll be honest i haven't been following that, it super closely I only know this i'm not a michigan resident that, i'm not either <laughs> and i only know this because of the great trends like these yeah. podcasts yes so um anyway 
Thanks for tuning in to our Jedi Council <laughs> political podcast corner. Back to the eating disorders. Uh, so this study, what it was really looking at was the effects of online social evaluations comparisons and how they might impact uh, body dissatisfaction and bulimic symptoms. So what they did was they looked at the effect of maladaptive Facebook usage. Is this a term that you're familiar with? Maladaptive Facebook, Facebook usage? I know no. what all those words mean individually, <laughs> but that was the first time I'd seen them put together. No, I'm glad they defined it. They define it. it, though, which is really wonderful. <laughs> yes, because I, wouldn't as, cause I imagine that's something that different people would define in various ways. Absolutely, right? yep. Um, so the way that they define it is the tendency to seek negative social evaluations and or engage in social comparisons on Facebook. Um, and they wanted to know how does maladaptive Facebook usage impact body dissatisfaction and bulimic symptoms in a sample of another, another sample similar to the first mm-hmm. group. They had uh, just over 230 college female uh, undergraduates, I assume. They don't specify undergraduates, mm-hmm. but college students who are females. And they followed them for a four-week period of time. And what they found was, uh, for the results, the, reser- uh, the results provided evidence that maladaptive Facebook usage significantly predicted increases in bulimic symptoms and episodes of overeating approximately four weeks later. Body dissatisfaction was found to fully mediate the relationship between maladaptive Facebook use- usage and increases in overeating episodes, whereas body dissatisfaction partially mediated the relationship between maladaptive Facebook usage and increases in bulimic symptoms more broadly. So, with just to kind of sum without the mediated and all of the statistical jargon. Give it to me without the jargon. Yeah, let's just <laughs> let's just uh, clean that up a little bit here. Because who really knows what mediated are? I mean, not me. No, I'm just kidding. Almost That's reassuring. Just, almost just got a lot of my graduate education refocus. Uh, I should I shouldn't have said that on the internet. Uh, only a joke, I promise. Uh, so really, the the main take home point, if I'm just going to sum it up in one quick sentence here, is that maladaptive Facebook usage is really interacting uh, with um, across time. Really impacting is what it's doing. That's how I'm going to say it. It's going to impact. Uh, overeating and bulimic symptoms over a period of time. They can predict it. And it seems to happen because it increases people's dissatisfaction with their body. So Mm -hmm. if you're on Facebook and you're comparing yourself to others or looking for negative feedback about yourself, it appears that the increase in body dissatisfaction is what increases the bulimic symptoms Mm -hmm. more broadly. And I have to also give a shout out to the first author, April Smith, who is a dear friend of mine and was my lab mate in grad school, worked with Thomas Joyner, and also Jennifer Hames, who I have met, but I don't know as well. But still, April Smith and Thomas Joyner was my graduate school advisor, and I think this is an important study because, as you said, a lot of people use Facebook, so it's important to see how it's actually affecting people. Oh, absolutely. It's one of these things that, I mean, it's it's kind of made, it's sort of weird to say this, but in the grand scheme of things, Facebook is new because research mm-hmm. is sort of slow. Mm-hmm. And Facebook is new and we're still learning. How is mm-hmm. Facebook impacting our mental health? How is Facebook impacting our behavior? So, yeah, absolutely. It's as the, I mean, I would almost call it like an explosion of use mm-hmm. uh, really has happened. We're still figuring out what what are the consequences of that. And according to studies like this, depending on the way that you use Facebook, not always good. Yeah, and that's a great point. It is about how Facebook is being used. If you're more using it to talk to friends or you're looking at things but you're not comparing yourself to them, that it could be helpful. I think for some people it's easier to change what you're using in Facebook, whereas other people might need to fully take a break from Facebook because it's hard to do. And so on kind of definitely at the therapist level, I would recommend 
monitoring that, but at the individual level, if you're interested, check in with yourself. Look at your mood before and after using mm-hmm. social media and see how it's impacting you or take a break from it. You know, you can do your own mini little study of yourself mm-hmm. and see how it impacts how you feel. And that's a good way to kind of judge. I think what happens sometimes is that it it feels like such a part of everyday life for some people, including mine, you know, that's happened to me before, that it's hard to recognize that, oh, if I, if I actually take a break from this, it might be better for my Mm -hmm. mental health. And some people just don't have any negative effects and that's fine too, but you can kind of look and see, you know, I think what happens sometimes is people might not even realize that they're feeling worse or that they're Mm -hmm. comparing themselves. And Mm -hmm. so it's, it's kind of like this helps to shed a light on what some of those mechanisms might be for, for mood change and those who it affects that way. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You don't, you don't need a fancy measure or anything. Mm -hmm. Think about even if you make your own measure, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, how am I feeling on a scale of one to 10 with one being not very good and 10 being great. Mm -hmm. Uh, Check it periodically throughout the day and see if uh, the times that you're checking social media impact that. I don't know. Yeah. It, it can be as straightforward as that. Yeah, I, I agree. And so I think, you know, getting back to how this connects with to the bone, I think that, you know, if you're particularly if you're in a vulnerable place, more vulnerable, um, for it, which could be a variety of reasons, including having an eating disorder, then it might be especially important to monitor mm-hmm. what factors are in there because any factor you can take to make your health better oh yeah go with it please do you know what i use facebook for Mm -mm. spamming my friends and family with our podcast (laughs) i think that's Uh. not maladaptive facebook usage that's adaptive it certainly is adaptive it's adaptive for us (laughs) so far it hasn't worked though so thanks friends and family Well, we already talked about it. Well, brother. I guess in that case, it can have maladaptive effects on you. People are muting me. Yeah. <laughs> Unfollow left and right. Yeah, that's too bad. Oh, well. That's a that's a problem in a study for another time, perhaps. All right, so uh, you you kind of summed it up really well right there, though, in just uh, in how to the bone kind of uh, has the social media component. I don't know exactly... Do you think they? I so to the bone is based on a, a semi loosely based on a true story. Yeah, Marty Knoxon is okay. based on yes, her story. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Do you know if that Buffy was, writer? Oh yeah, <laughs> thank yeah. That's right. Do you know if that was part of the true story? You know more about it. Huh? You know, I don't know. Given Marty Knoxon's age, right. she's older than Ellen was. I Im- imagine it might be some version of that, but sure. I don't, I honestly don't know. That's yeah. kind of just speculation. I mean, she's obviously a very creative person. I don't right. know if she also does other forms of art besides her writing and things like that, but that would be interesting to know. Yeah. So I guess the reason I even asked was just puzzling over what was the intention of including it too, because yeah. it, it didn't, it wasn't a part of the primary plot, although mm-hmm. it could have been, mm-hmm. uh, but I've been thinking about that a lot lately. This kind of happened when I started trying to write uh, adventures for Dungeons & Dragons. Mm-hmm. Just thinking about narratives mm-hmm. and thinking about why did they include that? What role did that part of the story really play yeah. in the overall narrative? So I'm thinking about that for this part. And I don't know if it's because of some of this research that shows there is a link between social media and eating disorders. But wasn't really what they were telling us in the, in the movie. I mean, I mean, they did make yeah, it. Like, they did send the message that it's dangerous, yes. right? They did ask her to stop right. doing it, mm-hmm. basically. And then the other connection was just that Luke was kind of enamored with her right. before he fan. even knew her because mm-hmm. of her artwork. And I, I don't know how necessary that was, yeah. but 
I'm yeah. not sure there. I was just sort of puzzling over that. Yeah. I, I don't have a good answer or a good question about it. Just like, what was the rule really, including that? Yeah, that I'm sub- not sure. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure either. And I don't, or I don't know if it's just like this is a modern telling, right. and so it should include this. You know, the the other thing that we didn't talk about, and I'm not familiar with much research on this. This doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. I'm just not right. familiar with it. But there have been people who've talked about things like body positivity on Instagram because there are. I'm very new to Instagram, as evidenced by the video I tried to make this morning, <laughs> which didn't videos. go I, multiple well, we exactly. I think ultimately one got up there, but so I don't know much about this. But from what I understand, there are um, hashtags and people posting about body positivity oh, too, and so I would ha- I'll have to look into this. I don't know if studies have looked to see if that actually does help people have more positive body mm-hmm. image or what impact that has. Because I could still, you know, there is a, some research suggesting that even if you have positive feedback about your body, sometimes unexpectedly for some individuals, it can still lead them to feel more vigilant about their body and have negative effects, even if the feedback is positive, because then it starts focusing on, well, you know, people are focusing on my looks or how can I maintain this positive impression that people have on me. And so mm-hmm. it's it's complicated. But, yeah. you know, I imagine if we ask, so listeners, if you have any input, are there mental health things specifically on social media that have been helpful to you? Because mm-hmm. I do think there are things like that too, right? Okay. You know, and so should say we talked about some of the negative effects, but I... It, I wouldn't be surprised if there were positive right. effects out there, too. Yeah, that's a good point. We don't want Zuckerberg shutting us down. <laughs> Mark, if you're listening, Facebook isn't all bad. <laughs> so that's um, those are the main things that yeah, we had. that's kind of was... what we had left over. Mm-hmm. I thought of my question. Can oh, I ask you? please. <laughs> yeah, I, I wrote it down this time. Oh. Uh, so... Okay, this was kind of just it's sort of just an off the cuff question. Mm-hmm. With thir- Netflix's thirteen reasons why, mm-hmm. I got the impression that they made that with a point, and the point I don't think they executed it mm-hmm. the way that they should have. But I believe that their point was to talk about suicide and to sort of scare people away from bullying. I don't know if you agree with that, but I think that was kind of their goal. Mm-hmm. With to the bone. Do you think that their goal was to inform or start conversation, or was it merely meant as a film, and then general entertainment film? You know, it's a it's a good question. I think that, I mean, I think that it was supposed to shed some light at least on one person's story, and they sure. did take some efforts to consult with people to make it realistic. So not purely based on story. They did also seem to consult some eating disorder type of experts for things like um, making the presentation more accurate. I don't think the goal was to reduce eating disorders or anything like that, but one of the goals might have been to to tell the story and maybe elicit some compassion for how difficult it is. But it's unclear to me. I mean, Ernie Knoxon has created other things, too, for the sake of creating them and for art. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I would guess that's the main thing. Point, just speculating, sure. but in addition, had respect and regard for one part that I thought was really well done is how difficult it is for the family members too. Mm-hmm. And this isn't to make the person feel who has suffering from an eating disorder feel like a burden because it's it's not their fault they're mm-hmm. afflicted with an eating disorder. 
but you really see how hard it is on the mom, the stepmom, the sister, you know. I mean, it's heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. Her sister doesn't want her to die. Mm -hmm. She cares a lot about her. Um, Her mom struggles and has her own mental health problems, and at the end is kind of like, I'll try anything. So she's Mm -hmm. trying, right? I think it's a spiritual advisor that suggested that she bottle feeds Mm -hmm. her, and she's kind of blaming herself for some Mm -hmm. things that her depression affected how she cared for her after she was born, and maybe if I can do that, maybe it'll help. And so... To me, that also elicits compassion because I think that sometimes people can be quick to judge and say, well, if I was that person's parent or if I was, I would do this when really it's, it's more complicated mm-hmm. and it's a really difficult mental disorder to treat and oh, yeah. it's so sad. And so seeing, seeing those parts of it, I don't, I don't know. I, I mean, I feel like it's more than just simple entertainment or something mm-hmm. like that. It has more depth to it, but. But that's just my speculation. What do you think? Yeah, I, th- I agree with you in a lot of ways. So I felt like To the Bone was a lot, I don't know how to exactly describe it. It was sort of less like in your face yeah. than 13 Reasons yeah, Why yeah. it was. And I think in that way, it was much better. Mm-hmm. I think that it elicits a lot more compassion and it provides a lot more, despite the concerns that we've discussed, mm-hmm. a lot more little snippets of accurate information mm-hmm. uh, in accurate depictions related to eating disorders uh, than to the or than Thirteen Reasons Why did regarding uh, suicidal behaviors. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's not because it, it it's Thirteen Reasons Why was challenging because on one hand it's like they're trying to use the topic of suicide to compel people into a mystery story, but also mm-hmm. simultaneously seem to be saying, like, and be nice to each other. Yes. And that felt really weird to me because Oops. it almost felt like a little exploitative of the mm-hmm. mental health stuff, but at the same time telling you to be nicer to each other. Whereas, yeah, to the bone, like you said, is more, it seems like we're telling the story, it's realistically people are going to, it doesn't feel like they're telling you how to react right. as much. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good way to put it. It's just, this is what it is. Mm-hmm. It's not, uh, 13 Reasons Why is almost like, I don't know. I mean, we, we've we discussed 13 Reasons Why for hours already. We I don't need to go on <laughs> about it again. But uh, I just. But it's worth talking about because Netflix seems to keep creating new shows that yeah. where mental health is a key part of it, mm-hmm. right? And, and uh, presumably or allegedly another season of 13 Reasons Why. So, yes. Yeah, so. And that, I mean, that was hugely popular. Oh, and that Unbelievable. And it. As I don't remember if we mentioned or planned to mention last time, but at least that new study in the Journal of American Medical Association showed that after people watching that show, that there was increased uh, there increased internet searches for methods for dying by suicide. Mm-hmm. So these things have an impact, and oh, they're yeah. worth looking at. It seems like none of Netflix's other series, I shouldn't say none of them. But that series seemed to get hugely popular mm-hmm. really quickly with a lot of people talking about it. Mm-hmm. And I haven't seen that as much with some of the other original series mm-hmm. that they've had. I mean, obviously, a lot of the Marvel ones are totally yeah. awesome. A lot of people have watched those, but nothing quite like that that I can No, think I of. don't think. I think House of Cards is really popular. Oh, and yes, that's gotten that's a lot of accolades. But even that is more, it was more like a slow burn than yeah. 13 Reasons Why, which was just all of a sudden everyone was talking mm-hmm. about it. I think of it. I mean, I don't, I think Netflix really guards a lot of this stuff, but I would mm-hmm. guess that like 13 Reasons Why 
got a lot more views or watches or whatever. You I bet you're right. Than House of Cards did. Uh, if you can, I mean, House of Cards has been out for years now. So, mm-hmm. but if you compared to similar time frames, I, which I is another say. thing that is on our list of future yes, episodes. Yes, Frank Underwood. <laughs> yeah, it's a good show. The last season was really good. I need to start really finger. raising money to make this my full-time job so that I can finally catch up on all these shows and get about, to podcasting about them. I think about that a lot. <laughs> should have become a film critic. That's not really what I'd like to do. No. Uh, okay. Oh, so yeah. Resources. Wanted, yeah, just yes. wanted to conclude with resources. So, And also, I guess one thing to say is that there are pros and cons of 13 Reasons Why, of To the Bone, of all of these yeah. things. Some, obviously, I have a much stronger, my personal opinion is that I liked To the Bone much better, even though there are some things I might have liked if they were differently Mm -hmm. that we already done differently if we already discussed. Um, But at the same time, like, you can see 13 Reasons Why was successful in what they were trying to do in terms of reeling people Mm -hmm. in to watch stuff. So their agenda items might not be the same as mine, which are (laughs) helping mental health. So I do think it's a positive for people to discuss mental health and for people to see People are suffering, especially in a realistic depiction like To the Bone, because I think that that elicits compassion and provides some knowledge. It's not the replacement for education about it or something like that, but a lot more people are going to do that than maybe um, pick up a book about right. something. Or, or read the APA it. website. Exactly. Yeah. So that that's helpful to have that information out there. And I think that we'll conclude with a couple resources that we'll also link to before we get to the Pearl of Wisdom that you all have been waiting for. One is Academy for Eating Disorders. This website has a lot of good, accurate information. It's www.aedweb.org. I know I said some of the letters and then said the word. aedweb.org. And uh, look for the link in our description. And then, as usual, the APA Division 12 Mm -hmm. website, which talks about different disorders and treatments. And the best way to go to it is to go to www.div12.org. And then if you go to the tab that says treatments on it, it'll take you to specific information about what the scientific literature says about existing treatments for eating disorders and how effective they are. It also gives a nice summary of what each of the eating disorders are. Yeah, I love that good Division 12 website. I'm telling you, it's good stuff. Very helpful. Very helpful. Mm Mm-hmm. Those are some good resources. We'll link to them both. Mm-hmm. Pearl of Wisdom time. There's the chime. I left a perfect amount of space for it. Uh, the Pearl of Wisdom for today is going to be a little bit less uh, specific to maybe to the bone or eating disorders and a little more about something I've just been puzzling over lately, which kind of is related to something I talked about earlier, which is just kind of narratives and thinking about what was the point of that. And I would just challenge you when you're watching depictions of mental health disorders or psychopathology or people struggling to think about, well, what is the purpose of what I'm watching right now? And uh, just keep that critical mind because there are shows that, I don't know, I don't want to throw more shade at 13 Reasons Why because I feel like I've done that a lot already. I don't feel like I've got the the sort of cred to take on Netflix yet. <laughs> but, uh, but the, you know, the was the goal of 13 Reasons Why to, to give out accurate mental health information it was probably i mean they sort of painted it that way sometimes but it was really to get more views or or subscribers to netflix and of course that's their goal um so i guess i would just challenge you to keep that in mind and maybe 
you know, because like we kind of have talked about before, people get information about mental health from shows like that. And when you keep that, what what is their intention in mind? And know that there might be a broader picture uh, as to what's going on with specific disorders and what you might see in specific depictions. I think that is a great pro of wisdom. And it actually reminded me of something else, even though I know we're wrapping up this episode. Oh, that's okay. So one of the people involved in the making of 13 Reasons Why was an attempt, a suicide attempt survivor. Mm-hmm. And he justified that really graphic suicide mm-hmm. scene as saying that he personally, when he read about someone, or I'm not sure if he attempted suicide or he had uh, suicidal ideation, okay. but it, he said that he read about a, a graphic depiction of someone dying by suicide and that deterred him from from attempting suicide. And so that was his personal sure. like experience. And so... It is tricky pulling in this, like, pulling in the science on something mm-hmm. and people's personal experiences and also how you present it, right? Mm-hmm. Is it, to the bone, I think is clearly, like, this is one person's story. This isn't yes. everyone with the disorder. 13 Reasons Why, for some reason, felt more like it was, like, this is what bullying can do to anyone or something like it. seemed Very like it was so. a more general message. And so, I don't know, it's just interesting to think about how clarifying that or or the different goals and delivery of it is you know even people with very positive intentions on these types of things how they turn out the outcome can be very different and I know that's kind of a vague statement but it's just something I've been thinking Mm -hmm. about a little bit more because I do I agree with you it is of course people want their shows watched Mm -hmm. and I do think that some people also like Selena Gomez was involved in 13 Reasons Why and wanted to have mental health outreach. But are those two things always compatible? I don't think they are. And I think that's part of what makes entertainment and mental health depiction so challenging. And that's why we're here. Mm -hmm. To give you our thoughts on those depictions. (laughs) All right. Anything else, Katie, Mm -mm. about To the Bone or anything like that before we wrap up for today? Nope. No, me neither. I think that we're going to recall it for today. I do want to say... Thank you, though, for the folks who gave us some questions. Because, uh, I mean, as much as we like to just talk, we also just like to answer questions, too. So uh, we'll, we'll keep trying to put out those elicitations uh, for questions about the various topics that we have coming up, because we really appreciate that. And uh, just like talking to people who listen to the show, too. Um, so I thank you for that. And thanks for everyone who's been tweeting about us or to us or at us. We haven't gotten any fresh reviews yet, but we'll keep reading those on the air as we get them. So if you have a second, we'd really appreciate it if you could leave a review for us. That's how new new listeners, new friends can find us. Mm-hmm. We should think of a name for our listeners sometimes. You know, like you know, like people... how naming it calls their listeners the namers. Yeah, like that. That's mm-hmm. awesome. I like that. We're gonna have to do some real thinking on that. If you have yeah. any suggestions for what we could call our we're listeners, we're very open. We're openers. Maybe something related to Jedi. I don't know. I mean, the problem with that is it's it's definitely trademarked. Yeah. George, George Lucas and Lucas Arts is only going to let us get away with this so much longer. I don't know. We'll have to think about it. It was kind of fun, though, because naming it, um, they said, they tweeted at us and said, it looks like we have overlapping listeners based, you know, on iTunes. People listen to this, yeah. also listen to this. So they said, it looks like we have some Jedi namers, oh, <laughs> which I, like I thought that. was really cool. Yeah, that's really nice. Uh, don't mind if we just piggyback right <laughs> on that community. <laughs> I like that. Uh, anyway, 
at this point, I'm just rambling. So uh, we'll call it there. Uh, as always, thank you so much for listening in. We'll be back next week to talk about a couple of fictional uh, health professionals. Can I say who, just in case anyone has that's questions? A, that's a great idea. Dr. Spichemin and... <laughs> and none other than Dr. Tobias Funke. <laughs> two two prof- health professionals, because they're not specifically mental right. health professionals, but they dabble in that area, <laughs> who I th- would say with confidence that we've modeled our careers after. With <laughs> <laughs> uh, similar outcomes. <laughs> yeah, so we'll talk about them. Yeah. And we'll also identify, evaluate what they're doing right, what they're doing wrong, and if there's anything we can find that's yes. problematic, we might suggest yeah. how we might do it differently. We're going to we're gonna frame it sort of like a performance review. Yes. Like a peer-to-peer performance review of a couple of our revered colleagues. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So if, you, if you're a fan of 30 Rock or Arrested Development, I know there's a couple people out there that like those shows. Uh, I don't know if there's any questions about those characters or thoughts or anything, but... But tune in. Send tune a, in. And send us funny GIFs. Yeah, that's what I like. <laughs> if there's some way to illustrate GIFs via podcast, I'd be doing it right now. So, technology's not there yet. Someday. We'll get there. Anyways, that's coming up next week. And uh, what we've got some other stuff in the... We've got Rick and Morty coming up. Iron Fist, the Legion... Uh, the Defenders are, is coming up. The Defenders soon. is coming up. Oh we'll probably gosh. do like just a pure reaction video on that. I'm guessing mm-hmm. by video, of course, I mean podcast. <laughs> uh, um, so yeah, we've got some stuff like that coming up, and we're all maybe DC Metal. Maybe we can talk mm-hmm. about that. We've got a lot to talk about, and we have a special guest coming to talk about yes. stress and pregnancy mm-hmm. and Winona Earp. Can't get enough of that. I I'm love so it. Excited. Yeah, it's gonna be good. <laughs> so there's a lot coming up. Uh, thank you so much for listening in, and you'll hear from us next week. 